Hello, and welcome to the Atomic Spies podcast. I'm JP. I'm Eric. So our goal with this show is to kind of learn a little bit, bit about the Cold War, uh, espionage, the intrigue, and kind of the tale of the two countries that held the world in terror for many years. Today, we'll be talking about uh, Romania um, during the Cold War. Uh, I don't know about you, Eric, but like, how much do you know about like Romania just in general? Um, except for fortune tellers and things like that, absolutely zero. Yeah, same, hundred um, percent. So this is very fascinating doing the research for this. Um, I learned a lot. Now, as a disclaimer, because uh, this is our first episode, we are not experts. Um, we're not historical authorities of any kind. Uh, we both just like history, specifically the Cold War, uh, and we want to know more about it. Most of the information gathered was taken from Wikipedia. Wikipedia, so, shout out. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> Sponsor us. Consider donating to Wikipedia, guys. Seriously, it's a wealth of information. It really is. And they do it for, for nothing. Yeah, all free. All our information's from there, so it's very likely that some of it might be inaccurate um that's actually a misnomer wikipedia is one of the most accurate resources out there i'm pretty sure i i suppose for like a big thing like this like for romania or the cia there it's going to be pretty accurate on there but um i just remember in high school somebody hacked the wikipedia page for my high school and um it's quality quality entertainment but before we begin uh, our diving into history, um, we need the proper lubricant. Um, today, our cocktail is going to be the White Romanian. For those of you following along at home, this is a pretty simple cocktail. Um, if you're familiar with a White Russian, uh, it's basically the same thing. Some of the... Uh, some of the parts are a little bit different, um, like the amount of each ingredient. Uh, but it's vodka, Kahlua, banana liqueur, and I'm uh, like the dude using half and half. You can use milk, use cream, doesn't matter. But uh, let's start out with the vodka. Uh, so for you, Eric, um, you just have those are all pre-measured, so just pour in that they vodka. Are. Yeah. in that vodka then Kahlua uh, well vodka it's um, an ounce and a half There's, the recipe online was extremely boozy like it was three ounces of vodka which is just like Jesus. just I'm not actually from Eastern Europe I can't handle that amount of alcohol in my system like I have stuff to you tomorrow I don't know if the... right Then how much Kahlua? Uh, uh, Kahlua is uh, three quarters ounces. And then your banana liqueur is one ounce. It smells very strongly of some gourmet runt. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
and I, this recipe uh so like a traditional white russian is equal parts vodka kalua and cream equal parts the recipe online for the white romanian was uh like it was crazy like it was all over the place so i made it so that the vodka and the cream are the same so it's equal parts um but then i just mixed it up on the uh Kahlua and the uh, banana liqueur, and it bounced it out a lot better. And then it was a, a junior full of milk or cream. Uh, well, that one, the the bigger side that you have, that is an ounce and a half filled to the like to the brim. Um, but yeah. Now, I will say I'm not a drinker by any means. Um, and when I do, I'm a beer drinker. I'm not a liquor guy, but this is pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a little, yeah, you got the little stirs. Um, take these little stirs. And then just like coffee, which it's kind of based off of. Stir, 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 stir. You really do uh, taste that banana. Surprise. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, now that we are properly lubricated, let's talk about it. We're going to start uh, with World War I, um, just going back quite a ways before the Cold War. But it helps to kind of have a little bit of a background, uh, I think, before you go into the Cold War, because a lot of these people uh, their their parents went through this, so it's, it you know like for us like our parents were like the seventies the eighties, but for them it was the you know nineteen tens nineteen twenties. So World War One, um, Eric, what do you know about it? Uh, World War One is fought in trenches. Um, you get trench foot, you peek your head up, and you get shot. Um, a dude got shot, and it changed the world forever. I mean, he mm -hmm. got assassinated. That's right. One, one relatively minor country that was allied to bigger countries uh, all went to war with each other. Um, it's very fascinating. I mean, obviously, there's books written about just the political climate um, pre-World War I, um, and it's insane but to boil it down um you had uh the triple entente which was like uk france russia russia being a monarchy at the time and uh the central powers which were like germany austria hungary among others romania uh joined the triple entente um, at the beginning, uh, after the signing of the Treaty of Bucharest in 1916. Does that make them a quadruple entente, or do they say the triple entente? I think it's just because the big guys, you know, you got, you got your, your top billing acts, you know, you got the UK, you got the France, you got the Russia, and you got, you know, the co-stars, you know, the, the B-list so actors. We're like, we're like the United States of America, but also Puerto Rico, like that kind of thing, you know? Puerto Rico's in there somewhere, but we're the United States of America. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
that makes sense. Except, except for like you know something like Florida, then that stands out more for for its own reasons. Sure. They uh, they joined after the treaty. Romania was promised territory um, held by Austria-Hungary for their military assistance. So you know they were like, "Hey, join us. We'll give you swaths of the people you don't like's land." Um, and that was enough to get them to join. Uh, fortune was not on their side, however, um, as in less than a year, uh, German and Austrian-Hungarian troops defeated the Romanian army and controlled uh, over three quarters of the country by early 1917. Wait, so they promised them this land and then they were like, well, like no, we're going to take it instead? No, no, like the UK... France and Russia, they promised, uh, like, hey, promise on this land, and yeah. then Germany triple. being Germany's, like, I want this land instead. Tales all this right. time, song goes rhyme is like, like, this is ours, right? Triple Entente does oh. sound more shady than it actually was. The central really power sounds nicer for some reason. I don't know, yeah. The Triple Entente does sound sinister, yeah. <laughs> Like, I expect Daniel Craig to show up and, and do some James Bond shit, you know, and break up the triple on Tom, but here we are. However, uh, Russia left um, the war after a little revolution you might have heard of, uh, the Russian Revolution. Um, and after oh, that... Bolsheviks, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, can you uh, give me a brief summary of that? I know that they, they went in and they, they executed the czar and his entire family in the coup. Um, it kind of took over the government. Yeah, and once the once the Soviets had kind of taken over, one of the th big things that they had a problem with was the war, because in their eyes, the czarists were making the poor of Russia fight in this war, just because they're related by blood to these other monarchs. Um, the whole idea of monarchy—it's not like how. The British think of the Queen nowadays. I mean, some of them do, but like a, it, like a figurehead kind of thing. It's not really like she's she's in power. The Czar was in the power. end all be all. Yeah, he okay. made military decisions that affected the country. Okay. Um, if he said we're going to war, they were they were going to war. Um, so after Russia left the war, and if you look at a map, uh, Romania is like right next to Russia like mm -hmm. bordering um so when russia left like their big ally who was near them was gone so uh germany austria hungary moved in um and they're really kind of hung out to dry in the second treaty of bucharest um 1918 romania was pretty much forced into a peace with the central powers they had to decommission a large amount of the remaining military, giving anything of value to the central powers for their war effort. Uh, they relinquished some of their territory to Bulgaria and allowed the central powers free reign to move troops uh, through their territory. So not only did, did Austria and Germany take over a bunch of their land, but they had to give a bunch to Bulgaria as well as pretty much offer their entire military to this effort. That's right. Jesus, how much country do they have left? Um, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, among the things that they had to agree to, they leased its oil wells to Germany for 90 years. 
Spo years. Spoiler alert, that wasn't, <laughs> that didn't last. <laughs> Things happen later on. Um, uh, they had, uh, Romania had to cover all occupation costs. So like military housing, uh, all that kind of stuff. And any surplus agriculture was to be handed over to the central powers. And I'm, I'm sure you can guess who got to decide what was surplus or not. It wasn't the Romanians. <laughs> it's pretty much, hey, we control your crops. And also you have to pay for the troops that we have in your country. Mm -hmm. And they had uh, German officials um, also held power to veto decisions made by the Romanian government, stripping any independence they once had. So, you know, if they it's wanted like to do something, 100%. Yep. They had no say in the matter. So, a uh, pretty bum deal for them. If I had to choose a Treaty of Bucharest to go home with, I'd probably choose uh, the 1916 variety. Um, the 1918 treaty is uh, not great. No, not at all. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, they also gained some territory, and I'm going to butcher some of these names because I'm a stupid American. Um, they also gained the territory of Bessarabia, but they were still basically a protectorate of Germany. So even though they gained this territory just for whatever reasons, it didn't matter really. Uh, what's even crazier is the uh, uh, Romania's oil and agriculture uh, were a big reason that Germany was even able to stay in the war up to its end. Um, they really had to kind of milk all those other protectorate and allied countries dry. Uh, thanks to uh, some victories of the allies, Romania was able to re-enter the war on the side of the Triple Entente. Uh, King Ferdinand I of Romania remobilized the army, but wouldn't you know it, the next day, Germany capitulated. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to war. <laughs> Oh, wait, they gave up? Okay, good job, guys. <laughs> uh, after the war uh, and the victory of the Allies, uh, Romania increased in size, uh, absorbing Bessarabia, uh, Bukov oh, God. Bukovina, and Transylvania. Of course, I can pronounce that one right. Uh, <laughs> achieving its largest territorial size. When the Great Depression hit, the King of Romania, then King Carol II, uh, dissolved the political parties in 1938 and established a royal dictatorship. Not cool, Carol. Not cool. Uh, the Munich. Carol, really. Oh yeah, total Carol move. The Munich Agreement of the same year also convinced Carol that the UK and France couldn't defend Romanian interests. Uh, do you know about the uh, Munich Agreement? No. Uh, you probably do. You just don't remember the name of it, because I did. Uh, basically, um, before World War II, uh, Nazi Germany was really building up power. Like, they, um, you know, like, Hitler was going over to England, shaking hands with, like, uh, the king. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff. Like, he um, was smoothing everybody. Yeah. And yeah. They basically used um, the threat of war to get Czechoslovakia to cede a whole bunch of land to them. 
seemingly preventing a war. Uh, this is also where the phrase peace in our time comes from. Uh, the UK Prime Minister, um, why didn't I write that down? Um, Neville Chamberlain, I think his name was. Uh, he came back home after the agreement, kind of gave an interview because coming off the plane. And he was like, you know, this is peace in our time. Uh, that this was going to be a lasting peace for the world, but uh, famous that last word. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> it's like Bush on a carrier with mission accomplished. Same thing. <laughs> mission accomplished. We did it. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, Romania had to seize most of the uh, same territory they gained after World War One to the Soviet uh, Union in 1940, uh, causing the king to abdicate the throne. Uh, Romania went from a royal dictatorship to a national legionary state, um, which is very similar to the UK uh, with the queen and prime minister, except um, from what I understand, it's less of a figurehead role. Like the king would still make all the decisions um, but the prime minister would handle a lot of the day-to-day -day and in some cases had as much power uh, as the king. So they're, they're somewhat equals, but not quite. Yeah, I mean, definitely not equals, like at all, but close. Uh, Carol's son, Michael I, uh, took over with uh, General, and again, I'm going to butcher these names, General Ion Antonescu, Antonescu. You know, I practiced that name and I still got it wrong, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, as prime minister. Uh, Antonescu then signed the Tripartite Pact, uh, which was a military alliance uh, between Nazi Germany, Italy, and, Jap and Japan, uh, along with a host of other Eastern European countries. Uh, they entered this is, the, World War this is after the formation of the main Axis powers, right? This was the formation of the Axis powers. This is it? This is it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. So Romania was with the Nazis <laughs> at the beginning. Um, which, to be fair, for anybody who is Romanian, um, it's not like this was a democratic government that was making these choices on behalf of the people. Right. They really you know? had no, no say in the matter. It was just, it is what it is. Yeah. And at this time things like the Holocaust weren't known. Like they were known to some people in Germany, obviously, right. but um, outside of Germany, people just saw this country that after World War I was just in tatters and all of a sudden they have, you know, they're like a superpower. Right. Uh, I mean, as, as shitty as a guy as Hitler was, now this might be my famous last words. <laughs> This any, is the last show, guys. <laughs> future, <laughs> for any future political <laughs> ever. The man ran a fucking... I mean, he really, really built up his country Yeah. quickly and efficiently. Yeah. I mean, I know that he united his people through through racist rhetoric and through through hate, but he did it really well. <laughs> yeah. You know? he was he he was the best uh, terrible person on the block. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, even terrible was people. Out the fucking roof, but he was also a meth addicted asshole. You know. Yeah, yeah. So Romania entered uh, the war on the side of the Nazis. Um, 
And guess wouldn't you know it, they've regained Bessarabia again and northern Bukovia, Bukovina. Uh, but in true Nazi fashion, uh, Romanian and German troops massacred at least 160,000 people in those area and even more died in their forced deportation. Now that's the Nazi Germany I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after the Battle of Stalingrad in 1943, uh, Ilu Miniu, an opposition leader, entered into talks with the Allies, and soon after, uh, Michael I ordered the arrest of Antonescu, and they formed a new democratic government in 1944, switching Wait, what sides. What, which one? What was Atom that? The first person. The first, first person. person uh, uh, Ilu Miniu. It's. Is that like the, the Yoko Ono of Nazi Axis powers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably I not, but it, from now on. Name, first and last name rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> so at, the, at this point, are the Axis powers John Lennon and their Yoko Ono? Is that how this is working? Uh. I'm a big Beatles fan, so saying this sounds really weird. In, in that in that example, uh, the Beatles were Nazi Germany. <laughs> uh, let's see. For this episode, the Beatles were Nazi Germany. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you guys, welcome. I made I made a podcast, <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> Episode one, the Beatles are Nazi Germany. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm getting slightly drunker. Good. I can feel it in my face. <laughs> I, uh, I I think it's just, you know, being big bounded uh, gives me a little bit better resistance to it. I am um, no bounded at this point. I have no resistance. <laughs> but. 1944, Romania switched sides uh, to fight alongside the Soviets. So um, both world wars, they switched sides. It's kind of weird. They're just kind of flip-flopping? They're flip-flopping. But, you know, but nobody, nobody called it out. Like, it was like, yep, we get it. We know why you did that. <laughs> so they're like the Mitt Romney of, of World War One and Two. They're like, I'm this side, but... I'm also this side. But I'm also part of a religion that didn't accept black people until the 70s, so. Huh. You know, magic <laughs> underpants, Joseph Smith. I can go on about the Mormon church for a long time. <laughs> and just like that, we aren't shown in Utah. <laughs> Listen, I've been to Utah. It's not that good. It was too windy, <laughs> and it was cold in September. I don't understand it. Uh, so they they switch sides, um, and uh, you know after the war, Stalin, being the peace-loving, uh, democratic leader that he was, um, you know uh, they let Romania govern themselves. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, Stalin was Stalin. Um, they uh, instructed the king to make uh, the communist candidate uh, prime minister. Uh, and Stalin considered Romania to be an occupied territory. Shortly after the war, Romania gained the northern territories they lost again, 
uh, earlier in the war, but they also legalized the presence of the Red Army in the country. So, just, so they gained land back, but they were also like, eh, but we're actually the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. It's like we got uh, so, it, but we didn't really get it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Romania during the World Wars, kind of a brief synopsis. Um, now for the juicy part, the Cold War, the reason we're here. The Soviets occupied Romania and called for new elections. Um, being a big fans of democracy that they were, they tampered with the election and the Communist Party held a 70% majority. Uh, the new leader of Romania, God damn these names, Georgi, uh, Georgi, I'm calling him Georgie boy because I can't Georgie pronounce boy? his goddamn name. <laughs> the new leader of Romania, Georgie boy, boy He's, George. It's boy George. That's right. Um, Do you really want to hurt Romania? Do you really <laughs> want to make Romania cry? Uh, podcast, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with it. <laughs> the new leader of Romania, uh, he forced uh, Michael I to abdicate. After all, now that they were a strong independent communist government, they don't need no monarch. Uh, Romania was now under the Iron Curtain and did whatever Stalin wanted. As you might imagine, a lot of people didn't like this. A large anti-communist demonstration occurred in November of 1945 in Bucharest outside the Royal Palace to show support for King Michael I. Uh, The communists sent sent a bunch of armed workers along. And um, as you might imagine, having a bunch of armed people in a big area like that, violence erupted. it seems the, eerily similar to what we've already experienced in this country lately. Yeah, yeah, really is. Uh, the uh, Soviet army was also there and supplemented with Romanian troops. Eleven were killed, dozens were injured. Um, no one is really sure who started shooting people, but um, each side blamed each other. After the elections of 1946, a group of anti-communists attempted to get senior officers and politicians to their side to overthrow the communists. But the authorities caught wind of their plan and Romanian authorities were rounded up, uh, tons and tons of people affiliated with the movement, and thus the semi-peaceful resistance was decapitated. Do they execute these people? Um, Or do they like gulag these people? That's not known. It's assumed they were either arrested and said, don't do this anymore. Um, and the ones who resisted, yeah, they probably got gulag. So they either got to redeploy or they they didn't. Right. Uh, I'll tell you what, in the Cold War, there's no teammates behind your back, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's war zone, but it's a different kind of war zone. <laughs> Some people didn't give up, though. Uh, Resistance members set up in the mountains continued to fight the good fight. A large amount of them were convinced that the only way they could get the communists out was by armed resistance. Uh, They referred to themselves as high duke, high, God, 
can't speak words. Haiduchi, Haiduki. I'm not saying dookie, that sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but the word uh, is basically just a word for a generous highwayman, um, kind of like a folk hero in that, their culture. Uh, they're, like, they're like the Robin Hoods of Romania. Robin Hoods of Romania, exactly. Uh, many insurgent groups were led by ex-army members. Uh, most of them had hopes they could overthrow the communists, but at this point they lacked the resources and the contacts to do so. Many were captured by the Romanian government. Uh, Can we just some... like, put into perspective that, that Soviet Russia lost like all of its dudes? <laughs> yeah. All like, the ones all who were of, on the all, West, yeah. Like all the men died in World War II. Like, if you look at the stats of, of the countries that lost human beings in World War II, like, most countries are here, and Russia's, like, way the fuck up here. They're, I mean, it's it's obscene the amount of people that Russia lost, and they're like, we got more. No worries. They did. <laughs> I mean, it's a giant country, and they had people living all over it. We'll just take these other countries and use their people. Right. Uh, some rebels had ties with the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, which conducted parachute missions into Romania in the early uh, post-war years. Uh, the CIA began to recruit displaced Romanians in other countries by 1949. Who better to infiltrate Romania than Romanians? According to Bucharest Station Chief uh, for the CIA, Gordon Mason, uh, the CIA uh, smuggled weapons, ammo, radio transmitters, and medicine to the rebels. I'm not going to lie to you. The Gordon Mason sounds like a dude that I would meet in a back alley, and he would definitely be wearing a brown trench coat and a fedora. Yeah, yeah, he, like, he was. You need to go meet Gordon Mason. He's your contact. Um, that's also the name of the guy in um, the um, Black Ops 1 and... Uh, uh, Cold War is uh, Mason. So that's oh, Alex Mason. Yeah, okay. different guy. <laughs> different guy, but you know, similar. Uh, they also had agents uh, smuggled into Romania with missions to sabotage industry and other tactically important targets. Um, keep in mind at this time, the CIA is brand new. Like, this is when they started. Um, right. A lot of the, uh, what I read about this was files from the uh, I didn't write that down uh, the, the um, I guess the OSS that might mm -hmm. be the British one but yeah, like the British it, OSS. yeah it was but it was the precursor to the CIA um, a lot of the things I've read about some of the early reports of this stuff was from them um, but this is kind of the first kind of thing the CIA kind of dealt with uh, so, like, uh, for example, a two-man team parachuted uh, into Romania uh, by the CIA in 1952 near uh, Targu Carbunesti. Um, three American-trained agents were sent to uh, Apunsi Mountains in 1953, but were captured. Uh, the uh, Romanian authorities uh, intended to use them as double agents, but there isn't too much details as to you know what happened to them. 
the Romanian government then found out about more Romanians that were being recruited in Italy in 1951 by the CIA um, and uh, sent the United States a letter uh, protesting interference in the country's internal affairs and that the captured agents had been, quote, sent to carry out acts of terrorism and espionage against the Romanian army, end quote. And that's one of those letters that the U.S. just kind of shreds and is like, we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the United States fuck with this, you know? Which has been the history of the United States since its birth. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, nothing's changed. It's, that's been the United We're States. We're just a high school bully jumping at somebody like, do something. Yeah, yeah. By the early 1960s, most of the anti-communist partisans in Romania were either killed or arrested. Uh, all influential or popular rebel leaders had been executed or captured. Uh, there were a few isolated guerrillas, uh, but they either gave up fighting, went into hiding, or simply executed uh, after being captured by the Romanian Securitate. So this uh, is the early 60s? Yes, early 60s. So by the early 60s, they had pretty much squashed all resistance. Yeah. I mean, there was still resistance, but like they did, there was, they couldn't do anything unless right, they right. had a lot of help, which, you know, at the time, America probably didn't want to go to war over just Romania. Right. Right. Uh, the Romanian uh, Securitate uh, was the Roman secret police of the uh, Socialist Republic of Romania, which was the name of. The government in Romania during uh, Soviet um, influence. The uh, Romanian security forces succeeded in defeating rebel forces due to uh, coordination between the Securitate and militia forces, as well as penetration of uh, insurgent groups with the use of informers, intelligence gathering, and persuasion. So did the the Romanian officials have their own kind of insurgency or guerrilla groups? kind of invading no. the other guerrilla groups or am I getting that backwards? Right, right. No, no, you got it. Yeah. So like they, they had people infiltrate the rebel groups, um, you know, like, oh, hey, I hate the government too. Communists are bad, you know. So kind of and, like how like you're the leader of the Proud Boys, but you're also a police informant at the same time, that kind of thing. Exactly like that. Exactly. <laughs> The implacable chase of the authorities on the resistors, as well as the gag order on the existence of the resistance, <laughs> that rhymes, um, shows how concerned the regime was um, that the uh, symbol of political insubordination might be contagious. So, you know, they didn't want, like, the only reporting we have that you would have heard was like the CIA reporting it. Like, it if you were a citizen of Romania, unless you like knew somebody who was a resistance fighter, you didn't know a whole lot of like what they were doing. In 1965, um, I'm getting all these names wrong. Nicolae Kosescu. That that name comes up a lot too, so this is going to be really rough. Uh, Nicolae Kosescu uh, came to power and started to. Uh, conduct the country's foreign policy more independently from the Soviet Union. Uh, thus, communist Romania was the only Warsaw Pact country uh, which refused to participate in the Soviet-led 1968 invasion of Czechoslovakia. 
Kosescu, really? yeah, uh, Kosescu even publicly c- condemned the action as, quote, a big mistake and a serious danger to peace in Europe and to the fate of communism and the world, end quote. So disagreeing with Russia, but still furthering the banner of communism, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it was uh, the only in here because I'm I, I got a fucking cat over here. I got a fucking dog wanting my attention. There's They're nothing wrong right now, dude. They're There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if they're really like interfering, they're fucking like... killing me. <laughs> Go. Go on. Lay down. Use my dad voice and they listen. Dad voice. I talk like this normally, but if I'm like, hey. Uh, It was the only communist uh, state to maintain diplomatic relations with Israel after 1967's Six-Day War and established diplomatic relations with West Germany the same year. Uh, At the same time, close ties uh, with the Arab countries and the Palestine Liberation Organization allowed Romania to play a key role in the Israel-Egypt and Israel-PLO peace talks. So, if I'm getting this right, Israel, I mean, Romania is technically a part of the Soviet Union. Yeah. But it was considered time, part of the Eastern Bloc. Just so, right. Like, Soviet Union and, yeah. It, it was but at the same time, they're trying to, like, slightly distance themselves from that politically? Well, uh, with this new guy, yes. Um, okay. So, with yeah. St. Nick. I'm just gonna call him Saint Nick because I'm not gonna Saint say Nick. his name. I'm not gonna remember his name. I'm just be honest. He's trying to kind of distance himself from the Soviet, right? Okay. Uh, a little though, not not Quite. a lot, because you know you're not gonna talk trash to the people who have tanks aimed at your country. Right. But you're you know you're gonna you know he's stood up a little bit. So yes, we believe in your ideals, but we also believe in some other things. Right. Yeah, okay. uh, uh, as Romania's foreign debt increased sharply between 1977 and 1981 from uh, $3 billion U.S. dollars to $10 billion, uh, the influence of the international financial organizations, such as the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, grew, gradually conflicting with Kosescu's autocratic rule. He eventually initiated a policy of total reimbursement of the foreign debt by imposing austerity steps that impoverished the population and exhausted the economy. So what exactly is is that? Is is what? Like what he did? Yeah, what exactly did he do? Like, I mean, did he tax him to death essentially or? Yeah, taxes, um, government spending was cut a lot, which for a communist government, that's like where you get food and like everything else. Right. So they, they cut back on everything. Um, like, it's great to pay off your debts, you know, like, that's good. So it's <laughs> but, like my one thing, I spend too much money on bikes and I need to really budget myself. <laughs> but I also don't buy food because of it. Right. And you yeah, get evicted okay. because of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the process succeeded in repaying all of Romania's foreign government debt by 1989. At the same time, however, Kosescu greatly extended 
uh, the authority of the Securitate secret police and imposed a severe cult of personality, uh, which led to a uh, dramatic decrease in the dictator's popularity um, and culminated in his overthrow and eventual execution uh, together with his wife in the violent Romanian revolution of December 1989, in which thousands were killed or injured. So he he repaid the debt. Yeah. But at the same time, he kind of starved his populace and his government to do so. Not only starved his populace, literally, but figuratively as well. Right. Um, and they had enough. So he, I'm, I'm sure he had some small groups of, of sycophants, right? He had some people that were wholeheartedly that agreeing with him. His loyalists, that, right? That cult of personality, yeah. Exactly. exactly. He had his loyalists, but then the people were like, mm, no. Right. Yeah. So it's eerily, eerily similar to what we just had happen. It's a little bit more extreme than what just happened, but there are yes. parallels. For sure. With a, you yeah. know, a popular political figure that is no longer in power and his friend groups, mm -hmm. but with more violence. Right. So they took him out of power and basically Mussolini him, is what you're saying. They, they Mussolini him and his wife. Uh, they charged him uh, um, several, um, several things, but uh, mainly genocide by starvation. Ooh. So now, it's not exaggerating. Popular? Was this a populace that kind of resorted to the same things? So when we hear about like Soviet Russia and the rule under Stalin and mass starvation and more mm -hmm. deaths or people killed than Hitler, I know they equate a lot of the people that starved to death um, and died in multiple conflicts within um, Soviet Russia. They, they equate those deaths with the total death tolls of Stalin, right? Well, not these specifically like in Romania, but yeah, like things that were caused by Stalin's policies, yeah. Like that's why when they say like, well, how many people did Hitler kill? How many people did Stalin kill? Stalin killed way more. Um, right, but they're equating his policies as well as him just gulagging people. Um, right. But the Romanian population suffered kind of the same fate of mass starvation and- Le Less gulaggy though. Like definitely- yeah, <laughs> that's a word now for the podcast. Gulag. Gulag. Tell your friends. <laughs> so instead of being sent to si Siberia in Romania, you just starved to death. <laughs> you just starved to death. Yeah. And yeah, that your was, children and, and that kind of thing. You know. That was the punishment. Yeah. Um, but today, uh, Romania is a member of NATO, European Union. Um, they're a democracy now. Uh, still close. Uh, proximity-wise to Russia, um, and that's kind of a story for another day. Kind of the, the you know, the modern relationship between the two. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Romania uh, throughout the Cold War. Kind of short, but a um, couple of interesting tidbits in there, I think. Well, you know, you hear a lot about Russia, Ukraine, Czechoslovakia. You hear a lot about. Um, Yugoslavia and Bosnia and kind of what they went through during the Cold War. But you don't hear about Romania. Yeah. And really, I I glossed over a bunch of history. Like, I'm just, I'm hitting you with the bullet points. Um, I strongly recommend that you 
not just Wikipedia, but you know, other places online, books, like read up on it because there's some really fascinating stuff that I just couldn't fit in to a podcast. Like we'd be here I mean, for days. You you have you have Romania flip flopping like Mitt Romney through World War One and Two, and yep. then <laughs> and then you know communist Russia takes over, and then the Hill folk decide that they don't want they don't want that, so they go full West Virginia militia on them. <laughs> Hill folk. <laughs> I mean, you said mountain man. I mean, let's be honest, highwaymen, the Robin there was, Hoods of there was probably the Romanian Robin Hoods. Yeah, and yep. they get fucked. They get squashed, mm-hmm. and then this new guy comes in, starves everyone to death, and gets Mussolini. That's yeah, that's that that's in a nutshell. Um, Romania, interesting stuff. I did. I see. I don't even. Romania is not a country I think about in the day to day. Now, I, I don't think about the Cold War every day, but we we both live in Afton. We're in a large Bosnian population. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people that live next door to me live through the Bosnian genocide, you know. And we'll they be covering through. that a lot because. I like, hope so. It's a big part of at least our personal history living in St. Louis, especially in the area we live in. We live in little Bosnia, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we really do. I mean. Yeah. I, at one point, um, there's a friend of ours who I'm going to try to get on the show. I'm not going to say his name yet until it's confirmed but uh i want to get him on the show to kind of talk a little bit about it um because while uh he was there he was he was like you know a child or baby or something but um this this is stuff his parents went through like yeah you know my parents grew up in uh, iowa during the 50s and 60s in suburbia basically so like talk about a totally different upbringing you know I mean, yeah, and if you watch, I mean, if you watch any footage from not just the Bosnian genocide and the Yugoslavian wars, but any conflict in Eastern Europe, it's absolutely insane. Really is. The urban warfare that these people went through. Mm-hmm. There's no, not only are you starving to death, but you have mass conflict all over the place. You're experiencing war governmental overthrow i mean police that just disappear people at will executions in the street you know it's constant surveillance yeah like i talk trash about america sometimes but thankfully we're not quite as bad i mean we say not quite as bad we can get into the surveillance state and the post 9-11 america and the patriot act and all oh, the yeah. issues that I have with that, while I have a Facebook account, I have an Instagram, I have a YouTube, you know, it's all the same thing in the grand scale of, of it all. But it's never been that bad. Yeah, Ever. never been that bad. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I mean, at, we, we are very fortunate to live where we live in the time that we live. And you might even say that a lot of that is thanks to... Um, the cold war and what happened yeah. after it you know yeah america was on top you know they emerged victorious you know whether everyone else in the world had the same 
uh, opinion of us, opinion of, of, of us or had the right. same, uh, you know, experiences, uh, I doubt, but, um, NATO countries for sure benefited, um, greatly. So, yeah, I mean, and we can get into the rapid and we expansion will. of our U S military and the massive spy programs and the secret programs that we use to spy on the Russians and everyone else. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Which um, that stuff, uh, that's uh, our next episode is going to kind of delve into that. Um, good, at least in the 60s. We're the, only, we're the only country that has bases in every other fucking country pretty much, you know? Because, I mean, in my opinion, the Cold War never ended. We just shifted focus. Um, the priorities changed. It's yeah. weirder now. Yeah. Um, I do want to, when we talk about Russia, it's going to be really interesting. I watched a really neat video that talks about why Russia is the way it is, mm -hmm. why they are kind of expansionist. Um, and it all has to do with like how easily they were invaded, you know, by Napoleon, by Hitler, uh, and it kind of, you know, made them say, well, we need to expand in order to survive. Because once you get to the steps of Russia, it's just a straight march to Moscow and nothing's right. stopping you. Unless it's winter. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch out for that winter boy, I tell you. Which is a major factor that has stopped every other fucking army trying to invade Moscow. But <laughs> Right. But, um, but yeah, so that is uh, Romania during the Cold okay. War. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, again, a country I've I I never really thought about in the Cold War that it's it's good to hear about, you know. Yeah, hundred percent history. I didn't even know. Uh, if you have any uh, suggestions um, for the podcast, feel free send us an email, uh, atomic spies podcast at gmail dot com. Um, we will uh, you know read those, see if there's yeah. anything interesting. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks guys.